Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me from Denton, Texas himself is John Fields. John, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Can't complain too much. Got week one of college football out of the way. Got to cover a fun game last night between North Texas and Northwestern State, and I'm excited to get to breaking down with you. Yeah, um, this is a, a little later than the podcast I think we usually do. You know, I, I told you before, I was like, you know, Sunday mornings and stuff. But after yesterday, uh, I went to bed at like 1.30 or 2, and I was just like, I don't feel like I don't feel like getting up early and just doing a <laughs> podcast. I was like, that is not at the top of my priority. Um, so we are here a little later in the evening now, but uh, still – with plenty to talk about from this North Texas game against Northwestern State, and we'll get into a little bit of SMU talk um, later on in the episode. But, John, obviously you were there um, in person. I watched the game uh, in last night and then this morning. Uh, but you were there. What? Where? Do you want to start with the offense? You want to just go go from there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm totally good to start with the offense. Um I mean, obviously, story of the night, for me at least, was DeAndre Torrey. Career night for him, 244 yards, three touchdowns, 10th most uh, rushing yards in a single-game program history. And I don't remember where the all-purpose yards stacked up, but I think he might have been third all-time for single-game all-purpose yards, too. So just a huge night for Torrey and really carrying the load for an offense that struggled a bit at times, especially early on. So, um it was much needed with some of the ups and downs they had from Reuter and the receiving core, which we'll, I'm sure, get into here in a second. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, I mean, in the first half, it was 24 to 14. Uh, North Texas had the edge. Um, it was 7 to 0, and the Northwestern State scores make it 7 to 7. And the whole first half, it kind of felt a little like, all right, we're just waiting on it, waiting on it, waiting on it. And then eventually, um, it came and as far as the pass game goes, but w- like you said, we'll get into that in a second, but I do want to highlight DeAndre Torrey because DeAndre Torrey, a lot of the talk this off season was, you know, Oscar Attaway, premier back DeAndre Torrey getting some carries, but a lot of his stuff in the slot, he basically proved that he can just play wherever at this point. Um, and I tweeted out that DeAndre Torrey looks different, and I really mean that. I don't just say that just because he had a good game. He legitimately looked different than he had in the past three seasons. The past three seasons, he's looked good. Last night is the best I've ever seen him look as far as explosion, as far as strength, as far as the quickness that he played with. It was it was a different level of DeAndre Torrey yesterday. So um, I, I want to give him all, all the praise um, early on, like you said. I mean – to have 244 yards, three touchdowns, 10 yards of carry pretty much. Um, he was able to find the creases in the defense really well. He caught a few passes, which which um, I think we'll see a lot of this year. And while you could you could tell the difference between him and the, the freshman running back when they came in, right? It was DeAndre Toy was like just this potent guy that just kept making plays. And the offense line was good, but they didn't need to be perfect for DeAndre Toy to just pop runs. And so – DeAndre Toy was was by far the star of the night, the player of the game, however you want to phrase it. And uh, I think the running game, just to go into kind of a deeper conversation run game, we talked about um, throughout the offseason, we talked about how the offensive line is good and we know the running back group is good. So we were like, all right, this is going to could be kind of I don't want to say a run first team, but it could be a team that looks to run establish the run a lot more than in years past. And I think we got a glimpse of that last night. Do you, do you agree with that? 
Oh, I 100% agree with that. I mean, like you said, with the returners on the offensive line, combined with what we've seen out of some of the newcomers like Marika, Gabe Blair, and those guys, I mean, you just knew the running game was going to be something these guys could lean on early on, especially with Jace Reuter making his first collegiate start and getting his feet wet out there, trying to adjust to the college game on the fly. I mean, it seemed like the running game was definitely going to be the smart play out there. So, um, you know, great for Tori to be able to step up there and really come through in a big way. Yeah. And um, it was funny in the second half, they just kept hammering the run. They didn't even, yeah. they didn't, I was waiting. I was like, are they going to throw another pass? Like, are they going to take any shots downfield? They just kept hammering run after run after run. I mean, you look at it, Tory Johnson and Ragsdale combined for 46 carries. Like that is, <laughs> that is a ton. And Jace Ruder uh, passed the ball 21 times, but it still just felt like, and it was largely like 65, 70% run. And so I think that that was, I, I don't think that was a mistake. I don't think that was a one-off. I think in every game this year, it's the run game is going to determine a lot of what this offense wants to do. I think DeAndre Torrey is going to determine a lot of what this offense wants to do. Um, and so establishing the run is going to be crucial in every game this season. And we'll get into the quarterbacks in a second, but DeAndre Torrey having a good game and looking like he is at the caliber of a star running back is a mm -hmm. development that I wasn't quite expecting this year. I thought he was going to be good. I thought he was going to be playing like he did the last three years, but he looks like he has the potential for a star, to be a star running back, which is I wasn't quite expecting. Yeah, well, and getting to talk to him in the postgame press conference, I mean, he just talked about how confident he was coming in, confident in the preparation this fall in his offensive line in front of him, and he just really was able to put all of that to fruition. I guess for me, though, as you said, with the running game being so key here, with Oscar Attaway being hurt, my one concern is just maybe the workload on Torrey, not only at running back, but also earning kicks. He's listed as the starting punt returner. So with so much expected out of him, you know, that, that's going to take a toll on a guy. And I just look to see how much that really affects him as the season goes on. And maybe they decide to cut him out on some of the return stuff to try to keep him fresh. Yeah, you definitely can't have 25 carries a game, I don't think. I think 25 carries a game would be insane. I mean, we're looking at hopefully 18 to 20 carries a game. I mean, 20 carries a game would be fantastic, you know. Um, but it's going to be a grind. That's one thing I was thinking as well. I mean, he's, he's five, seven, five, eight, but he's built like a bowling ball. Like everybody says, you know, <laughs> um, and it's true. He is, but, um, still, I mean, that, that wears on any running back at any level to get 25 carries in a game. He's definitely feeling it at this point, even though he averaged 10 yards a carry. Um, I'm interested to see how they continue to use him. And like you said, the kick return in the past game and pass protection, that's another area where they used him heavily. Um, I was looking for the freshman running backs, you know, in pass protection. And a lot of it was just DeAndre Torrey. They were just like, we trust DeAndre Torrey and rightfully so in pass protection more than these other guys. Um, and he has really shown that Jeffrey Wilson-esque ability to pick up blitzes. So that's another thing that takes a toll on your body is picking up blocks. Like, so we're just continuing mm -hmm. to put on miles, on DeAndre Torrey's body here. And so you have to wonder at what point do they trim it down a little bit, maybe use one of, or both Ragsdale and Johnson more, uh, even though they might not be as potent, you know, if you establish the run game, I think both of them will be fine. But uh, like I said, even if they lack that explosive play power. So um, anything else on the run game or you want to get to the, the pass game? 
Yeah. I mean, just one last point, I guess is, I mean, this really all highlights how big a loss that is with Attaway to me, because he's that guy who can take some of the load off of Tory. He would have been able to give you another one of those game changer type players in the backfield versus some of these unproven young guys. So, I mean, it just really highlights how much that loss is going to mean going forward, I think. And we've seen Tory able to step up, but long-term it's going to be interesting to see how tough that is. Yeah. Uh, last thing on the ground, I thought Jace Ruder looked pretty good on the ground in his runs. I think mm. he had three runs for 23 yards. I thought he had a pretty good burst about him, got down to slide, um, took, I think, a couple hits, but uh, to also took a hit in, while he was dropping back to pass. But um, as far as passing goes, this is what everybody was looking forward to. We found out earlier in the day on Saturday that Jace Ruder would be the starter. He comes out and... He goes 10 of 21 for 131 yards with one touchdown and two interceptions. Does not take a sack. Uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, what was your main takeaway from Jace Ruder's performance? Well, first off, I think he saw maybe even more time than I thought he would see. We only got to see Ani on the last offensive drive, really, which was definitely less of a split than I was expecting. Clearly, uh, as we had hinted at in the previous podcast, Latrell had an idea of who that guy was going to be and decided to stick with him for much of the game. But, um, I mean, overall, I thought Reuter had sort of a mixed bag type game. He had some flashes where he hit some good passes. Um, obviously, the one to Roderick Burns for the touchdown. I mean, just a really well-placed ball and a hell of a catch by Burns there. I mean, getting up and laying out. I loved the Twitter post you had comparing that with Jalen Darden's catch yes. uh, previously. I mean... Just really, really great catch from Burns and a great night from him, which we'll get into a little bit more. But um, I would say overall, a mixed bag for Reuter. He had one of the picks he was hit while he was throwing, and I don't remember specifically on the other one. But um, the other one was the other one was a little RPO, pulled it out and threw it and uh, start the second half, and it was behind the receiver behind uh, Bryson Jackson, and yeah. it was basically just to the corner, and the corner just caught it. So uh, that was, that one was the bad interception to me. The first one was a little excusable because he got rocked as he was throwing the ball, and the ball just fluttered up, and it was intercepted. Uh, still not something um, you know you want, but a lot of that's on protection. Uh, I, I went back and the good thing about watching the game on on replay is you can like rewind it and stuff like that. So I'm able to like go back and see you know where the busted uh, p- pickup came from, and they just had three guys coming and only two guys blocking basically, and so one of them came unblocked, just nailed Ruder, and so then the interception comes. But um, I'm I'm with you to I'm with you for the most part. The one thing I'll say is this game against North uh, Northwestern State. It, it it's it's uh, there's a there's a few things here. So like first off, last year when North Texas played Houston Baptist, we saw a lot of explosive plays. Last year we saw mm. Jair Shorter, Deontay Simpson, we saw Jalen Darden. Obviously, we saw a bunch of big plays, but we didn't see any much in between game. Um, this one, we didn't see many explosive plays besides, you know, the, the Burns touchdown. Um, but other than that, Jair Shorter, did he even have a catch? Uh, he did so. not, he did not have a reception. Lorenzo Thompson didn't have a reception. Tommy Bush had two for 21 yards. And both of those, I think were shorter, uh, comeback routes, if I'm not mistaken. And so you have nothing for Deontay Simpson either. Yeah. And nothing for Deontay Simpson. So the outside receivers did nothing. And that was coming into the year. We were like, all right, we have, they have all these receivers and they're just going to be able to bomb bomb away and all this stuff. The offense, going back to our first point of the run game, it felt very conservative. It felt very mm. 
reeled in. It felt like we're not going to do anything crazy. We're not going to just take these one-on-ones, even though we have former four-star receiver Tommy Bush. They have Jair Shorter, who is a proven big play guy. Lorenzo Thompson, Deontay Simpson as well, uh, also talented players. Instead, you get six receptions from Rod, Rod Burns, who, again, made big plays, but, but you know we're not expecting him to be the go-to outside receiver. Two from Jason Pirtle, and then two short catches from Tommy Bush, one uh, from DeAndre Torrey, and one from uh, Jake Roberts. That was not the, the, the combination we were expecting there at receiver. So I'm, I'm leaving this game with the, so many questions at the quarterback position, just the pass game in general, because Jace Reuter... I thought threw the ball really well. Like he had some zip on his throws. He had good accuracy on his, on his throws. There were a couple drops that I thought could have been catches The Jair shorter one on the sideline early in the game. I thought he placed really well where Jair dropped it or it bobbled it and went out of bounds. Um, But then you have the two interceptions, which I think were one of them was inexcusable. And then he had another RPO type play where he threw it behind the receiver as well, which was broken up. So it wasn't a perfect night for him. But I like what I saw, which going back to what we've said all offseason, is it, it's pretty evident that he has better zip on his throws. He seems more accurate, uh, especially once he gets comfortable. I mean, he's been in the system for, what, two months now at this point. So um, <laughs> I like Jace Reuter, his potential. I don't think this was an exhibition of uh, what this offense can be. I think this was a really conservative game from them, and I'm not sure why, but I don't feel like this was – the ideal situation for Jace Ruder to, you know, bomb away, you know, like Jason Bean and Austin Ani did it against Houston Baptist last year. Well, and I'll tell you what some of that could be down to is, you know, Latrell not running the offense anymore. It going over to, uh, I guess, Blesh and Main are listed as co-OCs. So some of the differences in scheme there just could be down to the guys who are calling the plays now. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to not see that receiver group, which, on paper looks to be a really deep group and not really have a ton of impact on this game. I mean, some of that obviously is riding the hot hand with DeAndre Torrey and, you know, just getting him the ball. Cause you know, he was, you know, killing it all game and cooking their defense. But yeah, I mean, even the two catches for Jason Pirtle, who ends up being the second receiver. I mean, both of those came on the first touchdown drive. And then after that, nothing else for him. So realistically, I, the only receiver that I felt pretty good about was Rod Burns and, you know, Felt good about listening to uh, what Latrell and the rest of the team were talking him up, you know, during fall camp. And it really seemed like he stepped up in a big way. Um, Latrell mentioned post game again how Burns was sort of stuck behind Darden for a while. I believe he actually was a walk on to the team and just worked his way up. Um, so just a great game for great real breakout game for a guy like that. I think got his first career receiving touchdown there, too. So. Yeah. Really big game for him and somebody that impressed me, but the rest of the receiving core definitely left something to be desired. Which is which is weird because I I just a lot of there were some one on ones on the outside that I thought they could have could have thrown, and I think moving forward they're going to have to be explosive. Like they they have to. Like I this, DeAndre Torrey is great. Like again, he showed a lot of star potential. He might be the best player on this offense. Um, but at the end of the day, you the schedule coming up, which we've all we've hit on, we've talked about a lot. You're going to have to be able to hit some deep plays. You have to be able to take the top off defenses. And um, I'm not sure if Rod Burns and Jason Pirtle can be your top two receivers in a game against a good defense. So, um, and going back to what we said earlier, they don't, the offense struggled at for stretches in the first half. Um, the second half I thought was, 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 good but i thought there were definitely 
improvements to be made, uh, especially in the past game. So offensively, I'm not sure what to completely make of this. Uh, quickly to touch on Austin Ani, uh, he had that one drive and he looked like Austin Ani did last year. Um, he can throw the ball. He can be accurate. He can make some deep throws, even though the two deep balls that he did put up were both severely behind. I believe those were his two completions or one of these completions, I'm sorry, uh, was a 45-yard pass. But even that one was very much behind the receiver who was wide open. Um so I didn't think Austin Ani showed anything to be like, all right, that's the guy either. But um, I think Jace Ruder is the option right now. I think he's the one. I think he won the job in fall camp, as is evident from him starting 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 the game. Um, and you're gonna they're gonna roll with him until he has a four interception game. I think he's the quarterback. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But a lot of it's gonna fall on these receivers and how they scheme it. And like you said, Mike Blesh, offensive coordinator, uh, Tommy Maynard, offensive coordinator, it's new offensive system, or not system, I'm sorry, but a new play callers. And as a result, they wanted to establish the run. So here we are. So let's talk, I mean, anything else on the offense or you, you want to get to the defense? Yeah, I think we pretty much touched on everything offensively. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure. Yeah, yeah, I have a, I have a, more defensive notes than I have offensive notes somehow. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, uh, you go, go ahead. I'll let you go first. Uh, what, what stood out to you about the defense? Well, I mean, first off heck of a game from KD Davis out there. I think he ended up 14 tackles, had a couple sacks on back-to-back plays that were pretty big for the defense. Mikhail Sanders was another guy who stood out to me, had the interception and another pretty good pass breakup. Uh, I think nine tackles is what I had him down on. Um, He and John Davis, to me, were a couple bright spots in the secondary where otherwise they struggled a bit at times. Um, I feel like the linebacker group was really the one that probably impressed me the most in this game. Those guys uh, and then the D-line as well, just getting pressure in the backfield and really wreaking some havoc out there. I I felt really good about seeing that. And I, I feel like a good amount of that is due to just Bennett and the way he schemed those guys up you know, dialing up blitzes that really allowed for some good pressure. I mean, we saw Tyreek Davis just break through the line on the very first play, which was a pretty big play for them too. So um, felt okay overall about what I saw out of the defense, but there was definitely plenty to clean up, um, particularly in the secondary, I thought. Yeah, the the I feel like everything went about according to plan, or at least our expectation. That's, that's a better word. Everything went kind of to our expectation. I think, honestly, one of the guys who I don't, only had he only had two tackles and one one sack, but I felt like Grayson Murphy was everywhere. Like mm-hmm. I felt like Grayson Murphy was having a hell of a game. He had one forced fumble, one sack. Like I said, only two tackles, but every it felt like every snap I saw number nine in the play. Like just in and even that play where the quarterback like pump faked and and Grayson like jumped up to bat it and then like the quarterback like stepped to the side and completed the pass. I was still like, all right, Grayson Murphy's like right there. Um, so I want to give a shout out to Grace Murphy because I thought he played a really good game. Deonoville, I thought played a pretty good game. I was, like I said, being able to watch it on replay, I'm able to just go back and, you know, look at things, um, a second and third time. And so I'm able to look at Deonoville shedding blocks and it's just like, all right, Deonoville's there. The Murphy twins are there. Um, Caleb Colvin's there. I thought the defense line was the best unit, but like you said, Tyreek Davis, Katie Davis, and even Kevin Wood were all Mm very very efficient and very uh secure that's the word i think i'll use there they didn't let too much get through them 
especially between the tackles and besides that one run that busted for a touchdown, but that was a cover zero blitz and they got caught on that. So that's more of a uh, Phil Bennett touchdown than defense touchdown, but still uh, I felt like the linebackers did pretty good job and um, I'll stick with you on the secondary too. I mean, outside of, I thought John Davis probably played the best and then, you know, Mikhail Sanders, but uh, Deshaun Gaddy forced that one fumble, which was a great hit. Um, but he is kind of the downhill safety. So mm. we expect him to kind of get downhill and make some plays. And while he, he was fine, I didn't, I, I think there's room for him to improve there. So uh, that's kind of my rundown of the defense. I think to go to more specific stuff, uh, the run defense still didn't look as good as I want it to, which is concerning against Northwestern state. Yeah. Well, and I don't think it was necessarily quite as bad as the final statistics indicated. I went back and looked and 51 of the 261 yards they gave up on the ground came on the last possession when they put a lot of the backups in defensively. So really it was more of a 200 yard or so game for the uh, starting defensive unit, which still is, you know, far from ideal, but definitely better than the final stats look to me. Um, And one thing I wanted to note, you mentioned Kevin Wood, uh, Obviously, coming in, we talked about him getting the start over Larry Nixon, and obviously Wood did a good job, but um, I just noticed Larry Nixon didn't play at all in this game and uh, actually talked with a source close to the team who told me he was not available for this one. Didn't offer any other specifics, but um, yeah. that was an interesting thing on that. So Yeah, I kept looking for Larry Nixon, I was, and I, um, it, I just couldn't see him. I mean, uh, I kept looking and I was like, is that Larry Nixon? And I was like, no, that's not Larry Nixon. So I figured he wasn't playing because I feel like he would have made a tackle at some point because um, Carson Crop and a couple others, Jordan Brown made a few tackles. So I didn't see him. So that's good to uh, confirm that. No, for sure. And uh, yeah, I agree with you on some of those other guys in the secondary. We talked about it earlier, but uh, Quinn Whitlock getting burned on the slant route there, the 65 yard touchdown. And then, yeah, the one run up the gut looked like sort of a scheme thing where they just didn't have anybody there, just the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, so overall, I feel like, yeah, felt okay about the game. There were some bad sort of first game type mistakes where they had penalties in bad situations that would extend drives and that kind of thing. And at times struggled to get off the field on third and fourth down, but they came up with some big plays when they needed to and at the end of the day, they did stay below that 21-point mark that we said would make us feel at least solid about the defense going forward. So, yeah. overall, I don't think you can be too upset with the defense. Yeah, I mean, the last drive, they were stopped at the one-yard line. So, uh, <laughs> so but, but we're, we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. Um, well, and, but- and again, even if they get a touchdown there, to me, I don't necessarily put that against the defense entirely with all the backups in and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So the last drive happened on, on the broadcast and I'm about to just click out of it. And then I see Phil Bennett in that yellow shirt he has on and I see him (laughs) just marching up to, it was, um, one of them was Kyla Powell, but it was, it was another one on that, on that defense that gave up that, that drive. And he goes up to them and it's like three or four of them. So I'm not singling out Kyla here, but, um, there was like three or four of them and he just starts like getting on them, getting on them. And I was like, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's understandable because that's that's the type of stuff you can't let just kind of go. You know, you have to even if it's the backups, even if whoever it is on the field, you have to have that consistency and depth, especially for guys like uh, who, who a lot of those some of those guys on the fields were 
you know, whether it's uh, upperclassmen or at least veterans to an extent or transfers or whatever, you know, they have expectations of being of playing. So uh, that was interesting. I will say one thing, one of my bigger takeaways was this might've been the most blitzes in a game from North Texas under Seth Luttrell. It might've been the most amount of linebackers bring, being brought to, brought on blitzes, uh, five, five man blitzes, six man blitzes, even uh, that might, it might be the most, aggressive blitzing game I've ever seen from a North Texas defense under Seth Latrell. You know, I think that's a really good point, actually. And I'm not sure if they're going to able be able to be aggressive to that same extent against opponents that are not a Northwestern state, you know, against SMU yes. or against UAB. I don't know that they'll be able to be that aggressive because those are teams who will be able to make them pay for that at times. But um, definitely seeing that aggressiveness was a positive sign, seeing guys getting in the backfield. I mean, even just in general, I mean, they forced three fumbles, get the one interception. So the aggressiveness was definitely evident on defense and just Bennett sort of drilling that into those guys a little bit, I think. Um, you know, I talked to who was it post game, one of the defensive backs. I believe it was Mikhail, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and he said that it wasn't necessarily a coaching change thing. And it was more just uh, getting people in the right spots to be able to make those plays. But to me, I feel like a lot of that is indicative of the impact Bennett has had in his short time already and um, just getting that defense to be more aggressive like that and be in that kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people on, on Twitter and all the, a lot of North Texas fans were praising Bennett uh, early and often throughout the game. Um, personally, I, I thought it was a fine defensive game. I didn't think it was anything like groundbreaking i will say like i said before it was nice not to give up 31 points to an fcs team as they have <laughs> in years past uh so that's a positive however i think there are still flaws here that are going to have to be fixed very 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 quickly um mm. the run game especially is gonna have to be fixed and uh not for nothing i didn't think the past defense whenever they didn't blitz I didn't think their straight dropping uh, coverage was was as effective as it needed to be. Like you mentioned, Quinn Whitlock got burned there. Uh, there was that one touchdown that got called back because of a uh, penalty on the offense. I think it was an illegal shift on left side where the two corners bit on the fake screen. This is a, it's a common play where the guy fakes the go block and then he just leaks out for a go and they, they bit on that and it was a it was a touchdown, but it was called back because of an illegal shift. Uh, you know, just stuff like that you can't have against uh, anybody and especially against the upcoming schedule here. So um, it was a good it was a good start. The thing about uh, having a good start is that it needs to be great very quickly because uh, the teams on their schedule here are going to make them play great or else it's going to not be great <laughs> for them. So uh, anything else on the defense here? Um. No, I don't think so. Any, uh, one, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, one thing I was going to get into, it's not defense, but um, Ethan Mooney. I was exactly, I was about to bring that up too. Yeah. But um, there were some moments where he did not look amazing tonight. He missed a 51 yarder, but really what was more concerning to me is uh, they had one drive where they got inside the red zone. He takes a 26 yard field goal and misses it. Luckily it gets negated by a penalty and he ends up hitting the 22 yarder, but the kicking game, it, I mean, it's still a little concerning. I feel like it was a concern at times last year, too, with the inconsistency. But you got to see better from Mooney there to not miss a 26-yarder. Yeah, that can't, can't happen. Uh, I will say the 51-yarder that he, he missed early on, I'm not giving him a bailout, but I am going to place 
a little bit of separate blame on Latrell and them for being so passive and kicking a field goal. I think that early, I feel like that was a situation where you could have gone for it. Uh, there's a lot of situations where you could go for it against Northwestern state where I wouldn't be upset uh, that being perhaps the most obvious instead you're kicking a 51 yard field goal. And I don't really understand that. That's a really hard field goal for, for Mooney, even though we expect him to be good and expect him to make field goals. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a separate point. Uh, Mooney that was concerning. I am concerned because if he is not up to snuff as a f- field goal kicker, I'm going to be very concerned about this offense because that is an extension of the offense is when you get into the red zone, you should be guaranteed points. Or when you get inside the 30, you should be guaranteed points and you should be able to rely on that late in game. So if you have a, whatever, five point lead late in the game, you shouldn't need to go for the touchdown to end the game. Or, you know, you should be able to kick a field goal and feel comfortable at that, uh, at a decent range. And I'm concerned now that Ethan Mooney is, not going to be that consistent, but it is game one. Maybe, I don't know, fans in the stands, who knows what it is. Uh, don't want to give him too much of a uh, benefit of the doubt, but we'll see. That's It's going to be interesting to see moving forward how how he does uh, in that respect. Well, and, and to his credit, he hit one from 48 and another one from 38. So he showed he's got the ability to hit from ranges like that. It's just about seeing the consistency out of him, especially on a red zone field goal like that. I mean, you can't miss those more than one time out of 50. Yeah. At, at least at most. Um, but yeah, any, uh, I'm trying to think any surprises or anything like that, that, that stood out to you, to you in this game. I'm trying to think, I know we covered most of this already. Um, and there was one guy uh, that I forgot to mention, actually, we were talking about the defense, but Sean Thomas Faulkner, I felt like had a pretty good debut out there. Yeah. Ended up forcing a fumble on uh, one of the kickoffs. I believe it was that ended up being a pretty good momentum shift for them. So I was pretty impressed with him out there um, just really being a bit more of a difference maker than I sort of expected going in um, and just being able to make those big plays on special teams that sometimes you're going to need to be able to swing the momentum like that. So shout out to Sean Thomas Faulkner for a good debut. Yeah. Uh, Upton Stout made a few plays, had a few pass breakups. Um, I believe it's it was only recorded as one, but he was on coverage on a couple of other ones that I thought he did a really good job on. And as even if he's not the starter, he's going to get plenty of snaps. And I think he, he I think Upton Stout and John Davis are the two best co- coverage players on this team, coverage defenders on this team. Uh, mm. So he's going to get plenty of playing time. He looks like he's a little bigger than last year as far as physically. And uh, he had a nice play there. So I'm excited to see what he does. Um, let's see if we have it. Cameron Hill made a nice play, had one sack, uh, two tackles. Uh, one assisted tackle. Um, I thought Cameron Hill was an interesting defensive end that they went to. Mm, oh, your Ross guy, Jordan Brown, man. Jordan Brown had a solid game as well. Jordan Brown had a very solid game. Uh, one player who I'm not sure if he played, but he did not log any stats. Let me double check before I say this. Yeah, Devontae McCrae did not record a stat. I don't know if he played or not. Um, I can go to participation actually and check this. Uh, let me see. No, no, Devontae McCray did not play. So that might be something to monitor moving forward, whether whether he's on the team, transfer portal, I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate, but that is interesting because Devontae McCray, in theory, should be talented enough to get on the field if he is healthy and if he can play. So we'll check in on that and get to that. 
Um, that's all the surprises I had. Um, uh, besides the biggest surprise going back to the beginning of this podcast was the fact that they didn't take shots deep. And that was um on offense, that is. And that's gonna be the interesting thing to me moving forward is how are they gonna be able to stretch the defense vertically and if they're gonna attempt to. So uh, we'll see about that moving forward. And uh, quickly, we can look a little bit at SMU here, not to get too deep into it. John will have, you know, previews and whatnot and uh, stuff throughout the week on SMU. But I was able to go back and watch the SMU highlights, three-minute highlights of them versus Avalon Christian. Tanner Mordecai threw seven touchdowns. Uh, Danny Gray had a, had a nice catch and run for a touchdown. I think he had one or two touchdowns. Um, and... S- North Texas is going to be pretty heavy underdogs here. That's pretty safe to say. Uh, North Texas is going to go into this game on the road. Probably, man, if I had to guess a line, I'd probably say close to 17, something like that. Like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty substantial. It's going to be over two scores here. So, or over two touchdowns that is. So um, what, what do you think has to change or do you, are you looking for anything that um, North Texas has to improve on? immediately to to help against SMU? Well, it's going to take a lot considering they haven't won in Dallas since 1933 was the stat I put in my recap. So they had a 7-0 win against them in 1933 in Dallas. Um, So it's going to take a lot to win there. But um, I mean, I feel like the first thing is just going to be the secondary has got to shore some stuff up. But I think the biggest thing, as you were hinting at, was being able to hit those big plays, Reuter being more consistent and not having you know, the mistakes with the interception and things like that. Um, And establishing the run game obviously is going to be a key part of this team going forward. So how well they're able to do that against SMU's defense, I think could end up being the biggest key of the game outside the defense. Yeah. um, I just don't think there's a way that they hold them to like under 35, like let's say 35 is the minimum for SMU. So uh, with that in mind, I think it's just going to come down to the offense. Can Reuter and company, take the top off SMU. Can they move the ball consistently? Can they control the clock? Um, that's all going to be very important because you're going to have to score with them. Like I, even if we think the defense has taken steps forward, which they probably has from last year, you're not going to just shut them down. You're not going to hold them to 20 points. You know, this is not going to be an offense that you're going to be able to contain on a consistent basis. They're going to break some big plays. Um, so you're going to have to score with them and it's going to have to be a shootout. And I think that they're going to score with them early. I think that it's actually going to be closer than it was last year. And um, 2019 game, I think, was decently close to my memory. I mean, early on, and then it got blown up. Yeah, 49-27. Um, but, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. But I'm I'm optimistic, at least, that the offense can take steps forward. I feel like there, I feel like there's something we haven't seen from this offense. They're just in one game, obviously it's early, but I feel like coming off of one game, I feel like there's a lot of the playbook that we just haven't seen. And so maybe that plays into the fact they were running the ball a lot. Maybe they're running the ball a lot. So that way they didn't put film on there for SMU because they have to, they have to have something up their back pocket. They have to have something up their sleeve where Deontay Simpson, Tommy Bush, Jair Shorter are able to take the top off defenses. And I think that that's what we're going to see at least them attempt against SMU, whether they hit it or not. I don't know, but that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. No, I agree. I mean, you got to pull all the tricks out of the bag to try to give yourself a shot against these guys. Obviously, Phil Bennett's got some ties to SMU previously, so he's not going to want to lose to those guys at all. He's going to have the defense 
at least fired up to go. I don't know how much that actually allows them to stop SMU's offense too much, but, um, you know, there's going to be plenty of factors that give North Texas potentially a shot in this game, at least a shot to stay close. So, um, yeah, just excited to, uh, get to see this one. I'm hoping to get down to Dallas and cover it in person. Yeah. Real quick. Let's touch on some other, conf- some, some conference USA stuff. Cause I mean, you were watching some conference USA games before the North Texas game. Um, I was watching rice versus Arkansas very intently. I was, I yelled when rice took like a, I think it was a 17 to seven lead at one point. <laughs> uh, I was like, they're going to do it. Uh, that was fun. I watched a little bit of Louisiana tech almost beat Mississippi state, man. They should have had that one end up losing 35, 34, um, I don't have all the scores up in front of me. Charlotte beat Duke 31 to 28, 28. Um, uh, Arkansas Marshall was impressive too. Marshall 49 to seven over Navy. Yep. Yep. Um, I have the other ones here. Yeah. Uh, Southern Miss lost to South Alabama. I don't have the final yeah, 31 to seven. Oh, was it that bad? It was. Woo. I saw a post-game interview of the Southern Miss head coach talking about how it was pathetic and disgusting. And so I assumed it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Um, yeah. yeah. M- Middle Tennessee beats Mon- Monmouth, Monmouth 50 to 15. Um, UTSA beat Illinois 37 to 30, which is the big results here. Pretty much that one um, between UTSA, Louisiana tech and rice all putting up big first games, UAB as well. Um, I mean, the, the West just looks great at this point. The conference USA West just looks like it's going to be a brutal stretch just as kind of as we expected. Right. But we were hoping that Louisiana tech and UAB might be a little easier than we had hoped. Uh, and I'm not sure it's going to be easy (laughs) here. Yeah. Well, and we were hoping a little bit for a down year on Marshall. At least that's what some of the talk was, but man, what a statement win to go out 49, (laughs) seven against Navy in the first game. And uh, yeah, I I actually added it up overall conference USA started out the year 10 and five so far through week zero and one, two and four against power five opponents. So not too bad of a start, man. And uh, another game actually that I watched, um, was Jason Bean's debut for Kansas, the former North Texas quarterback. Right. And uh, he was able to engineer the game-winning drive there at the end. So, I mean, good for him finding yep. some success there. Yeah, I, I I was reading your tweets as the game. I wasn't watching. I don't remember what I was watching. But uh, it felt like it, it looked like it was a struggle. But, you know, it's Kansas. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. Uh, I think they were only favored by 10 against South Dakota. And they ended up winning on a game-winning drive. So, it was a struggle the whole game. But, hey, got you got the win, you know. You got the win. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and Jason Bean was pretty much the whole offense there. I think he led them in rushing yards and completed just enough passes to get it done. Yeah. That Kansas offense this year is not as good as the North Texas offense last year. I can guarantee you that North Texas <laughs> offense last year with Jalen Darden um, and uh, Oscar Attaway, DeAndre Torrey. Um, yeah, no, that, that offense was better than this Kansas offense. That's for damn sure. North Texas yeah. would have put up more points than, than that. <laughs> No, I agree. hundred percent. But yeah, if we quickly uh, go through the schedule, I mean, the amount of teams that looked good, like we just go stock up, stock down, basically SMU looked good. UAB looked good. La Tech looked great. Missouri only beat, uh, only one by 10 against central Michigan. So I guess we could say stock down on them, you know, not as good. Marshall. Great. Liberty. Great. Rice. Very good. Uh, Southern Miss, awful. UTEP, now 2-0, beat Bethune-Cookman. They look better. FIU, I actually don't know what their score was, but I know Devontae uh, Price had a good game for them. 
Let me. Was that were they the ones playing Florida or was that FAU? No, that's FAU. That was FAU. Yeah, and FAU hung in there for a bit, but let me. Yeah, I think that one was 35-14 final for FAU Florida. Florida obviously yeah. pulled it out. Yeah, FAU beat um, LIU forty-eight to ten. I believe that was on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, September second. Maybe it was on Thursday. Okay, but um, but yeah, they they won pretty handily. I know uh, their running back price is a good back, so maybe I guess a little stock up on them. And UTSA obviously looked good. So out of everybody, you know, we're looking at Southern Miss and Missouri as the only two teams that didn't look particularly good on North Texas schedule. The other nine looked good. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, like I said before, yes, North Texas is going to be better than last year. At least you know we hope but everybody else looks like they're getting better as well. So it's going to be an interesting schedule moving forward. Yeah, it just it just really continues to highlight how tough this schedule is going to be and really highlights the point of it might not matter how much better this North Texas team is with just how many tough opponents are on this schedule. Yeah, but if there's one thing I've learned, we have to end podcasts on a positive note. You know, we have we have to <laughs> we, have, we can't be like, man, this all this season is just it's lost. We got to we got to be positive with it. And I think a 30 point win against Northwestern state where I think North Texas was only favored by 17 and a half or something like that, like 18 points. And I was like, man, they're going to, they're going to smoke them. And sure enough, they did. So shout out to Phil Bennett, shout out to Deandre Torrey, uh, Rod Burns, everybody. I think it was a really well played game all around. Um, I'm interested to see how they play against SMU. That game is on September 11th, Saturday, uh, 6 PM in Dallas, Texas on ESPN plus. So be sure to check that out. It's obviously on the road. It's going to be a tough one, but we will have you covered with everything from the interviews on Tuesday to the um, preview on Thursday or Friday. And we'll have y'all covered with SMU as well. So we appreciate y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later.